with me this morning and turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 8. Ephesians chapter 5, sorry. Beginning with verse 8. I want to apologize for not being able to uh, greet and mingle with you this morning. Um, Your pastor don't feel good today. That's why I've distanced myself from everybody. Um, I made sure not to come in contact. Um, I feel like I'm fighting off just the stuff everybody has with the sweats and the, you know. So it could be fluorocron or cucumacron or mercuricone or no. Don't. I, I, I wouldn't come if I thought I had that, but I, I just want to tell you that's why I've distanced myself. So if you would just, in just a moment when I pray, pray for me that I'll be able to deliver this word. It's important that you get this word today. Uh, the entrance of his word gives light and uh, hope and strength and illumination. Ephesians 5, uh, let's start with verse 8. For you were sometimes darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Let your life prove what is acceptable to the Lord. Do not have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. This is where a lot of Christians fall short here. Uh, They abstain from works of darkness, but they don't reprove them. They just go along to get along. For it's a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things are reproved and made manifest by the light. For whatsoever maketh manifest is light. Wherefore, awake thou that sleepest and rise from the dead, and Christ will give you life. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Before you're seated this morning, I want to tell you who are believers. The greatest need in your life today is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to walk in the fullness thereof. Your greatest need is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to walk in the fullness thereof. We've been taught that that's not for today. And the gifts died out with the apostles. You know, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that died with the apostles. They weren't the gifts of the apostles. It's gifts of the Spirit. There's a difference between receiving the Spirit as the earnest of your salvation, which every believer does, And to be filled with the Spirit, to be baptized in the Spirit by Jesus. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, whose shoes I'm not worthy to untie. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. We've been taught that it's not for today. We've been taught that it's demonic. We've been taught that uh, it's a crutch for those that are weak. But I want to pose one question before you're seated today. Jesus Christ is what? The same? I'm, I'm, just, I'm not setting you up. I'm asking you simple, basic question here. Is he still Savior? Is he still the great high priest? Is he still the Son of God? Is he still the Lamb of God? Okay. Is he still the healer? Is he still the prophet? Is he still the baptized the Holy Spirit? Oh, no, he don't do that no more. Do you see? 
It doesn't matter what our background is. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter if granddaddy believed that could happen or didn't happen or did happen. The scripture says this promise is to you and to your children and to your children's children and all who are far off. As many as the Lord God shall call, we are filled with something. And if it's not the Holy Spirit, what is it? With this world and where it's headed, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, full of his grace. Father, I just thank you for this privilege that's mine. I wouldn't have missed today, Lord, for anything in the world. And I thank you that flawed people like myself can stand on this stage, redeemed and anointed, that I might preach forth your great truths and that they would transform us from the inside out. God, we need you. We need your spirit more than we realize, more than we ask for. And I'm asking today that you would create within us a uh, tension, a voice that would say, why aren't you more filled? Why don't you ask? Why don't you desire be, to, to make us want to be so full of you, O oh Lord, that there's not room for the other things that cause us to stumble? And I ask you to anoint me today, Lord. God, I'm not saying this. That, listen, there are people that are really, really struggling today. But Lord, I'm just asking, it doesn't matter what it's like when, I'm get home, when I get home, give me this 30 minutes to where I can preach with power and anointing and let my mind be sharp. And I just, I want to do this right for you today, oh Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated this morning. You know it's not good when you come on stage and your wife goes, you look horrible. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yeah, I love you. I'm coming up on 60, Kelly. Just wait. If I were the devil, I would dilute the gospel, pollute the gospel, introduce false Christ, create false religions, and for the believer, I would do one thing. I would convince you that the power and gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit was not for you. Outside of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and his propitiation applied to my life, the greatest thing that's ever happened to me as a believer is two weeks after I gave my life to the Lord as an adult, by myself sitting in my apartment with my Bible open in the floor. I remember telling the Lord, God, I've been filled with the devil for all these years. And my mom believes that this infilling is available. My brother and other family members don't. And I don't know who's right. But your word says, here. Your word says here, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the spirit. A river flowing out is not the same thing as a deposit being put within. When I was saved, he gave me the earnest of the Holy Spirit. I didn't ask. They didn't know to ask. When you came to faith, you didn't go, oh, oh, yeah, Lord, and while I'm repenting of my sins, make sure you give me the earnest of the Holy Spirit. 
It's just a deposit he puts within you. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit. When you were recreated by God, by his spirit, you were sealed. Like you would seal an envelope. And if you took on the outside of the envelope and you dropped wax and put a signet ring in, it's sealed so that it can be preserved and it's sealed for authenticity. That's sealed. But baptized, baptizo, is a completely different word. Being sealed with the Holy Spirit is for you. Being baptized for the, with the Holy Spirit is for them. One is internal. One is external. You receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Don't you think the Lord knows the difference between within you and upon you? And I'm saying some things to kind of shock you because we've been tricked with subtlety of words. Baptize, baptizo means if I took that envelope, it's sealed. You can't, you know, say, well, I thought I got or received the Holy Spirit when I was saved. You did. Fully. You're saved. But there's a difference between sealing that envelope and taking that envelope and plunging it into a pool and bringing it back up. Outside. You'll receive power. When you're saved, you receive life with the earnest of the Spirit. But when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's a dunamis, power, supernatural, strength, capacity, a, a, a spiritual vivaciousness, like a, 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 a strength, a confidence. All through the Bible, I challenge you to do a study. And they were filled with the, word, uh, with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. And they were confident. And the same Simon Peter that would hide out and say, I don't know the man, I don't know the man, after he was filled with the Holy Spirit, stands in front of 3,000 people and says, this same Jesus that you crucified. And there was a boldness there. This is the reason that the church is powerless in many local bodies. This is the reason that our voice has no unction. This is the reason that there's no conviction in our altar calls. This is the reason that we don't expect miracles and they don't happen because we have all but escorted the Holy Spirit out of all the corners and we have narrowed it down to a set of doctrines which are important and we believe them and we mentally ascend to them, but we don't have experience. We don't have experience. I can be illuminated, believe, and receive a doctrine. But Acts 2 was not a received doctrine. It was an encounter with a divine God where a mighty rushing wind blew into the building and cloven tongues of fire sat upon their head and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. I pose this as a question to you. For those of us that were raised differently than this teaching. When Jesus breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. Was he talking about salvation? We think that's what the Holy, when we receive the Holy Spirit, that's all there was. They were going to receive the earnest of the Spirit whether they knew it or not. And he told 500 to tarry in Jerusalem and only 120 did. There is a difference between the gift of the Holy Spirit in salvation, the earnest, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit because of purpose. 
The earnest of the Spirit is for you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for them. You need the Holy Spirit for salvation. It's impossible to be saved without the Holy Spirit. John 3 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Jesus said, Except a man be born of the water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which born of the spirit is spirit. You must be born again. And see, if, if you'll stay with me just a few moments, I want to show you how important the Holy Spirit is in every aspect of your spiritual life and then culminate it with our ministry post-salvation. How, how do you save yourself? Religion shows you all these ways to save yourself that always fall short. You can't. It's the gift of God and the Holy Spirit recreates you. You are born again. This is like the wind coming around. You can tell it's there, but you don't know where it starts and where it's going. So is someone that's born again of the Spirit. There is no salvation in the world that does not originate with God and happens by the Spirit of God culminating in a love for God. It's an act of the Spirit. There is no salvation any other way. The Spirit is the one that births you again for transformation. So number one, for salvation. You need the Holy Spirit for salvation. There's no other way. You don't just, well, I'm going to get my life together. That's different than the Holy Spirit recreating you. You need the Holy Spirit for transformation. 2 Corinthians 3 says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So see, there is, a, there is an indwelling, and there is a walking with the Lord, but it's the Holy Spirit, the same one in Genesis 1 that brooded over the face of the deep in that black chaos and created the world as we know it today. He broods over your life and changes the things that oppose God into the things that side with God, changes the things that are not like Jesus into the things that are like Jesus. The transformational power. So it is the Holy Spirit. So my question would be, if the earnest of the Holy Spirit seals me, how much more is possible if I'm baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit? Some of us, it's not that we don't believe that's available. We just know that will wreck everything that we have going on. Because if a little bit of God messed our apple cart up, what would happen if you were filled with the mind, the spirit, the thoughts, the direction, the priorities, and the promptings of, a Holy, of the Holy Spirit that overflows every part of the believer's life? <laughs> the Holy Spirit reveals the scriptures to us. John 16 says, how be it when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak of himself, but he will glorify me. He'll receive of mine and show it unto you. See, it's not just reading the scriptures. It's reading the scriptures with the aid of the Holy Spirit. He will guide you into all truth. Even new believers that do not understand what is happening come to realize that they're knower. That's what I call it. Their knower can hear someone preaching or hear someone talking and they go, ah, and go, that ain't right. And you say, well, what do you mean it ain't right? I, say, I don't know. I've been saved about two weeks. They say, I don't know, but that ain't right. 
Because the Holy Spirit will guide us into truth. It illuminates the scriptures. That's why we don't open our Bible up on our desk and try to, uh, to try to understand academically the word of God. The letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. We open the Bible and say, Holy Spirit, show me who Jesus is. Show me who I am. Show me what you expect from me. Holy Spirit, you show me. Great teacher of God. It transforms us by conviction unto repentance. And when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he'll reprove the world of sin, righteousness of judgment, and judgment. And here's one that's very important. Uh, first of all, that conviction. Some believers today are practicing all types of immorality and they say, well, I'm not convicted about that anymore. Well, they were. But they've grieved the Holy Spirit so much that they don't feel it anymore. The Holy Spirit will convict us of sin and of the righteousness that only comes by Jesus and the judgment to come. But he also transforms us through the crucifying of the flesh. Listen to this, Romans 8, 12 and 13. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. But if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of your body, you shall live. The Christian that lives a consecrated life, sanctified from the world, consecrated unto God, and that gets rid of all the things in their life that are displeasing to the Lord, uh, childish things, immature things, rebellious things, he can do that through willpower that'll kill him. Or he can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you, through the Spirit, listen, through the Spirit... You mortify the deeds of your body. You say, I'm not going to be that anymore. By the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to quit. I'm coming out. Please don't tell me that you think a support group can do for you what the Holy Spirit cannot do for you. Ain't nothing wrong with a support group. Man, thank the Lord for some cheerleaders somewhere up in here. There's nothing wrong with the support group. But don't tell me for a moment you think that four or five people in a circle confessing their faults can help me more than the power of the Holy Spirit. Walk out. Well, I've done this my whole life. Quit in the name of Jesus and walk out by the power of the Holy Spirit. And see, we think the Holy Spirit hasn't helped us because we're suffering. We think if God delivers you, you don't suffer. That's not in no Bible. You stop smoking after smoking 25 years or you've been eating like a cultured hog for 30 years and then you start to eat half portions and deliver me, Jesus. Well, he is. But you're going to suffer. You're going to smell food on people. You're going to be mean. You go, you, uh, you, uh, how do you spiritualize the phrase, mortify the deeds of your body? You put to death. Well, I don't want my death to hurt. Well, <laughs> through the Spirit. Hey, I've got a long way to go in a lot of areas. But I thank the Lord for me. And your story is yours. You can, you can love what you love about yours and thank the Lord for the parts you want to thank him for. But I thank the Lord that that one part of my life where I was drunk four or five nights a week for about six or seven years, when he saved me and filled me with his spirit, I quit overnight. I, I, I took that Budweiser trash can that we used to put kegs in. It was my dirty clothes hamper. 
You know how many clothes you can get in a keg trash can? And put your foot down in it, about two years worth of clothes. I remember driving that Budweiser trash can out behind Piggly Wiggly number 15 on Riverside. And I'd filled it full of all the things in my life that I was embarrassed of and I wanted freedom from. And I threw them down this hill and I got to the last and that trash can was there. And I said, Jesus, for every beer I ever drank, I ask you to forgive me and set me free. And I threw that trash can down the hill and I drove off. I'd have loved to tell you that it was this angel's wings flapping and everything. I was scared. I sensed demons and evil and everything because my life up to that point, you know, but that one childlike, for everyone I've drank, oh Lord, forgive me, and set me free. What'd you say? Set me free. And the Spirit said, so be it. Quit. So it's easy after that? No. So 86, somebody help me. How many years is that to now? A lot. (laughs) Papa, that baby looks like you. He don't look like her. He's so beautiful. Precious boy. Was it 36 years? My Christian word. I still have days where I crave a cold beer. Oh my God, Pastor John. Well, I'll go in a restaurant. Sit down out here. Hey, see, the only ones that laughed knew what that was. That was a gooseneck. They go, I still, I still have that. But let me show you what the power of the Spirit is. The power of the Spirit is that he doesn't deliver me from the pull of sin. He delivers me from the power of sin. And I order an unsweetened tea and it doesn't own me anymore. You see, it transforms us. Bringing us. Unto the love of the church. Here's one of the things the Holy Spirit does. 1 Peter 1, 22, Seeing that you've purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. Obeying the truth through the Spirit. Unto the love of the brethren. Tell you what the Holy Spirit will do. He will, he will convict you uh, of the things you're doing that contradict the scriptures and that grieve the Lord and he'll, he'll bring you into maturity. And if you follow him, if you continue in my word, Jesus says, you'll be my disciples indeed. And you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And if you follow the Holy Spirit, you'll come unto, according to that passage I just read you, the love of the brethren. You'll love the church. You'll love the people. Because see, I can't see God, but I can see you. And you're as close as I can get to Jesus in this world. And we, as often as we have opportunity, we do good to all men, especially those in the household of faith. And we love them and we reach out to them and we serve them. Don't tell me you love the Lord and you don't love the church. It's his body. That's why we come early and we leave late. That's why we help the single mama from her car and that's why we greet one another and we don't just come to our seat and sit down. We encourage one another and we look for the one that's struggling and we pray for one another because the Holy Spirit transforms us not just from bound to free but from self-centered to others focused unto the love of the brethren. Number three, for guidance. 
For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You need the Holy Spirit for guidance. In Acts 16 and in other places, you'll hear Paul say things like this. We were going through this region to preach the gospel and we were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. What does that mean? I was going over here, you could say I was going to uh, Moultrie to preach and the Holy Spirit. If you heard somebody say, and the Holy Spirit forbid me to go to Moultrie, you'd go, what a weirdo. That's what most of us would say. What a weirdo. What do you mean? I just felt a check in my heart that I wasn't supposed to go to Moultrie. And you go, mm-hmm. And we disdain the idea that someone could be hearing something we don't hear. Someone might be near enough to him where he tells secrets to them. He, he, he speaks to them about guidance. One of the beautiful things about being aware of, open to, and being filled with the Holy Spirit is he talks. Now, he never contradicts the scriptures. Never. And he doesn't talk as often as some people say he talks. But he will guide you into all truth. And it says he'll show you things to come. Personal things. Precious things. Just, they're small things, but they're personal. That lets us know he knows me. He knows where I am. He knows where I'm going. And he's current with me. And I, I can trust him. Several years ago, before our babies, uh, when Kelly and I first got married... I hope it's okay to share this. You know, when you ask like now, she goes, I don't, it's, it's, it's a good one. It's a good one. It's a good one. It's not, I won't embarrass you. I had asked Kelly when we first got married if she, Kelly had worked her whole life. You know, I said, would you just stay home and be wife for a while? And she's like, why? You know, I'm in work. I said, just, and she did. And she was looking to go back to work. And, you know, Kelly's so, you know, just so good with people. You know, our church likes me. They love her. You know, that's how it goes. Uh, just something in the public. She's always been good with uh, marketing and, and with people. And I was going down Bowman Road, and I'm not going to dramatize it, nor am I going to uh, dilute it. I was just going down Bowman Road, and I felt like I heard as a compulsion, turn in. Just like that. It was Homewood Suites. I turned in. Kelly'd never worked at no hotel. Kelly'd never done sales. Anything. Just turn in. So I walked in. No, so I'm going to ask you, do, do you know what the Lord's voice sounds like to you? Don't you? I mean, you'll go, I think that's the Lord. You know, y'all are just staring at me. Does anybody know what is it? Where the, you think the Lord's like an unction? Turn in. So I walk in and I go to the counter and there's a friend of ours there. It's Lamai. Uh, uh, John's wife, and I said, hey, are, are y'all hiring? I didn't tell her the whole story about turn in or anything yet, you know, just because you don't set people up with that. God told me to come in here. You're supposed to have a job and play the God card. And they're like, well, we weren't going to hire you, but I don't want to oppose God, you know. So <laughs> I, did, I said, so are, are y'all hiring or taking the application? She said, no. I said, man. She said, what? I said, Totally separate, Lamai, and she's just a precious girl. She's very personable. I said, I just felt like the Lord told me, turn in. I, you know, anyway, she goes, well, listen, I'll keep you in mind because I'd love to have Kelly here. I said, no worries. So I go home and I tell Kelly this, and I said, Kelly, it was the Lord's voice. I just turn in. 
turn in and there's no, you ever felt like that where you step out and go I think I heard the Lord and the door shuts you maybe I didn't <laughs> and yeah so was it, it was the, next day. the next day the phone rings hey Kelly this is Lamai John stopped by yesterday so, you know and asked about you and there's nothing and the girl at the front end just quit would you like to come in because I'd love to hire you now here's your carnal pastor. I knew I heard his voice. I knew it. I knew it. Now, that doesn't make you superhuman or superman. It made me feel closer to him. Because there's this, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk you in it when you turn to the left. You'll go to apply for a job and they'll say, okay, you can start. And you fill a check and you go, no, I don't want to start. What do you mean? This, I think the Holy Spirit's forbidding me to preach in Asia. I think, no, that's okay. Hey, let them think we're weird. Don't stop speaking to me, Lord. Don't stop shutting doors. Don't stop opening doors. You guide me in the way everlasting. I remember driving down Bowman Road when Kelly and I lived on uh, 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 corner of Riverdale and Ridge. Uh, and... Um, I was driving down Bowman Road, and out loud I said, we're moving. Just, I didn't think the thought. My spirit man just said, we're moving. And we later moved into uh, a house in Brookfield. Uh, those of you that understand real estate and stuff, you never want to buy the highest price in a neighborhood. You want to get middle to lower, you know. And at that point in time, it's not that it was much more. It was just a few thousand dollars. It wasn't much more. But it was the highest price in the neighborhood. And I, I like a deal. So that, my natural mind, that was hard. But it, it wasn't the best deal, but it was the perfect house. And for the first three years of my baby girl's life, I was 90 seconds door to door if I caught the light at Chick-fil-A. And I went home four to five times a day. And so my spirit man knew ahead of time, we're moving. But I didn't know why, because the Lord knew that I wanted to be near my girls. And Kelly, I'd come home so many times from here to Brookfield. She said, you got to go to work. People going to stop in. Does he come in here? Now we go home for 10 minutes, go back, come here, go back. Oh, you need him in this last hour for him to tell you, not just you're moving, but you're staying. You're going to make, you need his voice to tell you, don't worry about that. I'm your defense. And when you feel the Lord whisper that to you, and that's that familiar voice, you go, we used to sing songs like this, but we're, we're so scared of being Pentecostal that we're not. Now, we'd sing things like, uh, I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. What you base that on? Oh, just a feeling. We used to sing, he walks with me and talks with me. No, he don't say nothing no more. We just, we got us a stale, dogmatic, educational religion. And what we need is an upper room experience where the Holy Spirit blows in and messes up our hair and messes up our table and messes up the house and fills us with a dynamic that changes us and empowers us. And redirects us. Would your friends say of you. If somebody says hey do you know John. 
Do you know Michael? Do you know Kelly? Do you know Sandra? Would they say of you, yeah, they're full of the Holy Spirit? I don't know if people would say that about me. And I want them to. I'm asking the Lord. I've been praying it on and off for weeks. Lord, just fill me with your spirit again. Baptize me. And when I see the pictures, like slam me into the water. Immerse me. All of it, Lord. Wet, inside, out. I'm already sealed. I don't need to be sealed. I'm sealed into the day of your redemption. But I need to be empowered I need to be transformed. I need to be realigned. And I need to hear your voice. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Where you can say he's anointed me to preach. Number four, and we're almost done. You need the Holy Spirit for power. Power. No, volume is not power, but being timid and silent isn't either. Well, it don't need to be all that noise. It doesn't need to have all of that. God's not deaf. Well, he's not nervous either. Would your friends say of you, that's a powerful Christian? Somehow we have taught or been trained. Excuse me, I'm so sorry. That if you desire to be a powerful Christian, you only want to be that for show. No, how about this? I want to be powerful so I can snatch people from the fire. I want to be powerful so when I preach, people can be saved and born again. I want to be powerful so that my children will rise up and get in their teen years and 20 years and go, I want what my daddy had. I want what my mama had. Where they look upon our life and go, oh God, do for me what you did for that one. Where people want us to pray for them. Pray for them. Because they believe something can happen. That the Holy Spirit is on us. Now, we don't look to people. But we sure do look to the Holy Spirit that's in people. This Spirit gives us power to live power to minister, power to persevere, power to pray, power to be fruitful and powerful for anointing. He quickens us. Now you might think this is a, a melodramatic example, but it's a small example. I sat right back there and my head's all clammy. I don't feel good. You know what I said? I said, Holy Spirit, just quicken me. You know, like clear. Don't you need it in your home when you don't have anything for your babies and you go, God, quicken me so I can be a loving parent tonight. God, quicken me so I can get up and face the struggles that I am to bring you through dark seasons. Lord, quicken me. Quicken me till I get to the other side. Not by might, not by power, but by your spirit, O oh Lord, quicken me again. By your spirit, like I wasn't okay and then a breeze blew through and I'm okay now. What happened? You know what we used to say? Mama Sheila, you know what we used to say? He touched me. You don't hear that no more. Touched has a, a negative connotation. He said, yeah, that one's touched. 
He touched me. And I'm no longer the same. He touched me and all fear was gone. He touched me and that which I had, I don't have no more. He touched me by his spirit. By his spirit. This Holy Spirit, he powerfully quickens us and he comforts us. He's called the comforter, the intercessor, the consoler, the advocate. He empowers us, but you will receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. It doesn't say, and you'll then be born again. After the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he said, you're going to be witnesses. You're going to go into the world and tell them about Jesus. You're going to make disciples in all the lands. And he deposits gifts within us. This is for another lesson. I just want to read it to Get it out there before, if the Lord allows, we teach on the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, it said, the manifestation of the Spirit. So that's not the earnest of the Spirit. That's a deposit. But the expression of the Spirit is given to every man. Every man. No, it died with the apostles. Every man. Every man. See, the Bible will mess up your little doctrines. Well, that's not for today. Every man. I think God knows what every man means. So a believer. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit other people. One is given the Spirit of wis- the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge. To another, faith, gifts of healing. To another, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits. To others, diverse kinds of tongues. Some interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. If our musician would come, please. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 14, 1. I want everybody to look this way. To earnestly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Do you desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Why would we not want the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'd like to submit one reason to you because we've been exposed to false and crazy and we said, I don't want that. But that is not what this says. The Holy Spirit, knowing me better than I know myself, decides which gifts to give, to share, And you need to know this about the gifts of the Spirit. They're more about the moment than the man. If if the gifts of healing operate in me, it doesn't mean I own that gift and I can just go heal everybody. It just means in a moment, I have access to all that God is. Like a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge, imagine if you will, the mind of God that knows all things, the beginning from the end, and He takes one fact out of of, of His knowledge, his omniscient knowledge, and he puts it in a believer. And they know that one fact. They're still flawed. They're still frail. They're still incomplete, but they know that fact supernaturally, not naturally discerned. Let me tell you what false gifts of the Spirit looks like. You see a lady drive up with seven kids and a maverick or a pinto, and you go, I perceive a spirit of poverty on you. You see? That, that's false. You can read someone. I perceive you're tired. 
There's a spirit of fatigue on you. You could they got black under their eyes. That's not what this is. This is a fact that you could not know that now you know that makes that person aware that God is there. May I tell you a quick story? Uh, by no means is there any form of bragging. There's nothing to brag about. It's just one of the times the Lord allowed me to operate in uh, a word of knowledge. I was preaching at a Baptist church. I, I, if I remember correctly, it was Augusta. I don't know. It could have been Hayhira, you know. But, uh, you know, as you get old, it's somewhere else. I was preaching somewhere else. And this was a Baptist, Baptist church. How many Baptist background? How many Southern Baptist? Southern, okay. Baptist, Baptist. Let me tell you how Baptist. Not making light, but you'll get a t- kick out of this. I preached. People were saved. We did the altar call. They went back to their seats. I turned it over to the deacon to close. And he come up and did the first, second, and fourth verse of the hymn of invitation because that was next in the bulletin. We were done. And he still did the hymn of invitation. That's how Baptist we were. And I'd been there four or five weeks. So anyway, y'all are just so quiet. You're just staring at me like he's setting us up for something. So this is how Baptist it was. So I'm preaching like the third or fourth Sunday there. I was filling in like an interim and I got done preaching and I went just, it went just like this. And so and so, uh, thank y'all for coming this week. Uh, if the Lord tarries, you know, I look forward to being with you next week. Ma'am, I'll seat two or three rows back. I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet. I just feel like the Lord's telling me the thing you're worried about tomorrow morning. He's taking care of it. She screamed like somebody shot her in this Baptist church. Now, that hadn't happened ever. She would she comes down the aisle and you know everybody's related in the Baptist church too. Do you know that cousin, second cousin, third cousin all the family come from everywhere that was the biggest altar call you know they've had in 20 years you know the people everywhere and they're just praying and I said the rest of y'all are dismissed God bless you nobody moved they were just like scared to move and they were just all praying you know and the chairman uh, one of the deacons came down right afterwards he said who told you I said, tell me what? He said, who told you about her? I said, I don't know what, what she's going through. He said, you don't know what's tomorrow. I said, no. I'm, don't, you give me way too much credit. I, see, he just took one fact and all the detail he wanted me to know. He wanted her to know it was okay. She was going in for cancer surgery the next morning. And they cut her open and there was nothing there. It was gone. It was gone. Amen. We don't need that. We don't need a passion for Him fueled by the Holy Spirit. We don't need weighty words and tear-stained faces when we worship. We don't need boldness where there was timidity. We don't need a miracle every now and then. We don't need somebody on our road to put their hand on our back and God heal us because of their faith. Oh, the greatest need we have today and in this coming year is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I close with this. You need the Holy Spirit in His fullness today. Can I give you context on a very misquoted scripture? Watch how we're going to tie this together. 
Jesus said in Luke 11, And I say unto you, ask, and it will be given you. Oh, I like that verse. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it shall be opened. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and everyone that seeketh findeth. And to the him that knocketh it shall be opened. But they don't read the next part. If a son ask bread of you that is a father, would you give him a stone? If he ask for a fish, would you give him a serpent? Or if he ask for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Everyone that asketh receiveth. That's not about provision. Not primarily. That's not about healing. Not primarily. That's not about the needs of my life. Not primarily. It's about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I need it so bad today. I know, Lord, over anybody in this room, I need your fullness. I need your spirit. And I'm asking you for me. And I know there are others that are asking. I'm asking you for me, oh Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Not for show, but for effectiveness. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. That I might not just have the fruit of the Spirit, but I would have the power of the Holy Spirit in my life for the right reasons, for the glory of God, for your glory, Lord. Would you stand with me this morning, church? What would happen to you individually? And some of you are standing with your spouses. What would happen if one of you this week God just baptized again with the Holy Spirit? You would have contention because one would become a certain way and it would point light to the other one. What would happen if both of you did? Healing, joy, strength, harmony. And for the Christian that's single, there would be purpose and passion and beauty. You can't have a Christless gospel and you shouldn't have a spiritless experience. I want to challenge you as your pastor this week. Just... You don't have to do it. I'm not your authority. But I am your pastor. What would happen if for one week you didn't ask him for anything but the Holy Spirit? Why don't we find out? I think I strung a chord today. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with with the Holy Spirit be filled with the Holy Spirit have a wonderful Lord's Day God bless you